You're listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry at First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarvale, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarvale, Kansas, 67024. Uh, James chapter 1 is where we're going to be this morning. Um, so I'm just going to give you guys sort of kind of a background on the, my week. Uh, this week has been one of those weeks that the reality of the brokenness of the world has been quite apparent, and it's genuinely I can I can feel in my inner innermost being the brokenness and the fallenness fallenness of the world. Um, last week. Uh, Christmas Eve, Eve, went out to go check on Dad out to his house, and um, walked in. He didn't answer the phone, but that's not anything. If you know my dad, that's not anything new. He doesn't answer his phones. He doesn't like to answer phones, so that's not a not a thing that's you know abnormal. So we didn't really think anything of that. Um, went out to go check on him, my brother and I did, and we drove out there, and he just you could tell he wasn't right. Uh, you could tell something wasn't right, and there was some. Something was wrong, and so we called the ambulance. And the ambulance came out and and checked on him and said, "Man, he needs to go to the doctor now. He's been in the hospital." Got him to the hospital, found out he had some obstructions in his lower stomach, and that was causing a lot of the problems. Um, and he like the content that was in his stomach couldn't get out; it just was stuck. So um, they did a procedure to try to stretch his intestines to let that content out. That that was going to fix that problem. But while he was having that issue, or while he was having that, that procedure, they st- while stretching it, he aspirated on some of the content in his stomach. And it got into his lungs, and that just uh, revealed that there were some other issues. He had kidney damage, and there was just, a, I mean, his body, it just was broken. And it just, there was a lot of problems. And we, we tried different things, thinking, man, we want to try to save him. That's the ultimate goal, right? We want to we want to do everything we can to try to keep him with us. And so um, we we went through and we tried to um, different things. And and the end of the day, the doctor came to me and said, "Man, the the bottom line is here that he's he's spent. His body is spent. He's he's gone hard, and there's." The only thing you're going to do by prolonging this and doing this is he's going to be a vegetable at the end of this. And, and even nobody in the room wants to be a vegetable. There's no one in the room that says, you know what, that sounds like a great option for me. Nobody thinks that. And I knew that about my father. And I knew that he had ex- explicitly told my brother and I, listen, if I get to the point where I'm incapacitated, do not keep me plugged in. And so we made the decision to... Let, let nature take its course. Let his body take its course. And within about 15 minutes, um, he was gone. It's quick. But this isn't something that should catch us off guard or by surprise. Because the scripture gives us very clear, a very clear indication in Hebrews chapter 9. That it is appointed unto man once to die. That 
There is an appointment set before the foundation of the world for every single one of us. If Christ, barring Christ's return, we have an expiration date. And that is just the fact of the matter. You say, well, Caleb, why is it that we have this problem? What is the problem? And all of this stuff that happened this week, why did that happen to your dad? Why did all that take place? Because our, our, our earthly bodies have been infiltrated with this thing called sin. S-I-N is what causes death. Romans chapter 5 tells us by man, sin entered the world. And thus, death entered the world. And that's where this happened. In Genesis chapter 3, we saw, we talked about that a few weeks ago in our Christmas series. Genesis chapter 3, Satan enters the timeline of humanity and completely shatters and alters the course of us as human beings. And that's what triggers death. That's what triggers suffering. And from the moment that everything happened in the Garden of Eden, our entire universe was fractured and broken. Creation was broken. That's why this thing called death happens. But here's the beautiful, beautiful hope that we have is that followers of Jesus Christ are not left to wallow in that state forever. We are not left to wallow in that kind of state forever. We are given the hope that those that are in Christ will see life eternal. But even in knowing this, we are also confident that the fact that we serve a risen and sovereign Savior. So death is sure in this life. But I can tell you something that's even more sure than death is that Jesus Christ is on His throne. Amen? Christ is on His throne and He is in control of all things. He knows all things. He is in the midst of all things. Yes, I know the Lord Jesus Christ is juggling planets, but He's powerful enough to walk into our lives and to care about our circumstances that we're in. So, God knows my hurt. God knows my heart. God knows my pain. And according to Psalms chapter 29, He is in the midst of my flood and He is enthroned as King forever over the floods of my life and over your life. So we have a lot to look at. We have a lot to look at. And to be thankful for. And when we look through these lenses and the filter of the truth that God is on His throne, the filter of truth to know that God is on His throne over the circumstances, over our lives, that He's not up in heaven. Like I promise you, when Dad took his last breath and he showed up in heaven, God didn't look at the Holy Spirit and go, How did Ed get here? What in the world? How did that happen? He didn't do that. He, he knew he, it was a homecoming. It was a homecoming. And when we start to look through these lenses and these filters of truth, that knowing that God is sovereign, that we can walk through suffering, we can walk through pain, we can walk through these murky, muddy waters with a little bit more confidence and a little bit more hope in the truth that God is in the midst of this. So I want us to look at James chapter 1. When it looks, what it looks like to walk through suffering, to walk through trials, to walk through pain while knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to start in chapter 1, verse 2. 
Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Lacking nothing. So this is James telling us the prescription on how you and I are to walk through trials and temptations and suffering and problems in this life. The first thing he says is consider it pure joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. Now, I can promise you that as I sat in the waiting room in the ICU, my gut reaction wasn't, I want to consider this pure joy. I, I had questions. I cried. There was all kinds of things. Now, because we live in an American theological system, sometimes the def- uh, like by default we're caught off guard by things like this. So, well, what in the world? Why would God do this? Why my family? Why me? How many of you guys have ever asked that question? Why me? Why my family? Why this time? Why? 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 When something difficult encounters our lives, we tend to raise our heads at it and, and sort of kind of wonder why this is happening. And a majority of Americans, we, here's the thing, we live in a comfort-based system. We live in a comfort-based system, and when our comfort is disrupted, we're perplexed. And there are certain people that say that, man, if you just had it a little bit more faith, your dad wouldn't have died. There are people that teach that. If you just had a little bit more faith, your dad wouldn't have died. Well, no, the Bible says that he has an appointment with this thing. And he didn't die, nobody dies early. No one dies early. The scripture is very clear that no one is checking out early. God is not up in heaven like doing a, like a bingo thing, pulling things, oh, just maybe what's coming. He knows the very hairs on our head. He knows the day of our, ex- or our entrance into this universe. And he knows the date of our exit. He knew that before the foundations of the world. And he knew it precisely. And because we live in this, in this system of, of theology that teaches that, that we are, if we have Jesus, everything's going to go awesome for us. And we're never going to have trials. Or we're never going to have problems. You're never going to be sick. You're never going to get, there's never going to be a death in your family. There are people that teach this junk. And I'm telling you, John chapter, um, John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you will have peace. In the world, you're going to have tribulations. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. The whole point of this text is to tell us to stop trying to find our peace and our comfort in this place. Like, that was one of the things about conversations that my dad and I had often after the death of my mother. Is he said, Caleb, I'm longing for my long home. I want to go to my long home. He knew the tribulations of this life. He knew the difficulties of this life. And he was taking heart in the fact that Jesus was more than enough. He wanted Christ above everything else. And this is what the text tells us. Listen, he said, I've told you these things. That you you would have peace. You say, well, Caleb, how do you, how can you, I've heard people are, you know, in the last week now. they, They know I'm doing my dad's service. 
How can you do that? How can you, you did your mom's service. How can you do that? Because I know the truth of who they serve. I know the truth of who holds them. I know the truth of who holds me. And that gives me immense peace to know that God is in the midst of my trials and my suffering. So I take heart. The scripture, that's not a, oh, just take heart. That's a take heart heart and know that it's okay. I, you're, I'm in the midst of this and I have overcome this world. This world is not our home. Amen? Like we're not spending the rest of our lives here. We're here for just a finite amount of time. Dad always told me, he said, Caleb, I don't know how I got to 73. He lived to be 73 years old. He said it was fast. Anybody else think it's Stuff fast, it goes fast. I'm, I'm 43, and it feel, I was, we were looking through pictures last night, and I looked when these guys were little, like little, little, and I was like, how did that happen? They're 18, 17, 20, 12. How did that happen? Wow, that was fast. Don't lose heart. No. Christ is more than enough. So the whole point of the text here is to tell us to stop trying to find our peace and our comfort in this place because it's never going to happen. But rather, find your peace and your comfort and your solace, your everything in Christ Jesus. So we have a a promise in this text of tribulation in this life. We're going to have suffering. We're going to have sickness. We're going to have stuff that ha- that hits us. And here you say, well, I'm not experiencing any of those things, Caleb. Well, thank the Lord for that because that is a blessing from God. Amen? That's a blessing that you've not experienced those things yet. But I can promise you, those that are old enough in a room, you can say amen to this, you're going to have some problems happen. Amen? You're going to have some bumps hit you in the road. But here's the truth of the matter. Take Hard for I, Jesus said this, I have overcome the world. I've overcome it. So this is why James tells us in the text, when we're walking through trials, consider it joy. Consider it pure joy. Why? Verse 3 tells us what the purpose of suffering is. What is the purpose of all the things that I've walked through over the last several years? Why? For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete lacking absolutely nothing let's look at the the definition of steadfastness it says firm in purpose resolute in faith unwavering Firmly established. That's the Webster's Dictionary definition of steadfastness. So think about that when it comes to your faith. Look at that. The text tells us, For you know that the testing of your faith, the, the, the testing of your faith is going to produce this steadfastness of heart, this This resolute, unwavering establishment of being in who Jesus says He is in your life. You say When it comes to trials, when it comes to suffering, when it comes to sadness, sorrow in our hearts. Listen, God allows those trials in our lives for a reason. 
And sometimes we don't know. Like, listen, I'm not the guy that's going to stand up here and say, listen, I know exactly why you're walking through the waters you're walking through. I know exactly why this happened. I know exactly why that happened. I, I don't. But I know that God allows suffering into our lives. And those trials are to mold us. This is what I do know. That all of these things are to mold us like a piece of clay on a potter's wheel. He molds us and he shapes us into the image of his son. How do I know this? Because the text tells us that this is what he does. Let, let these, when this testing of your faith takes place, let, let us know that steadfastness, when it has its full effect, you may be perfect and complete. He's molding and shaping and setting us up to where we're supposed to be. What's that old Sunday school song? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It, take him, it took him just a week to make the moon and the stars. Remember all But he's still working on me. This side of the grave, he's still, if you still got your heart pumping, he's still working on you. He's still molding you. I remember, never, I'll never forget having a conversation with a guy named Chris. And Chris and I were sitting in chairs. And he said, Caleb, I just feel like it's too late for me. I feel like I've gone too far. I said, is your heart still beating, Chris? I said, well, yeah. I said, then it's not too late. God's still got a plan for your life. God's still working. God's still molding. God's still doing what he needs to do. Now, I understand in the middle of the trial, I know in the middle of the suffering, that's the last thing some of us want to hear, but the truth of the matter is that that's the truth of the matter. Amen? I understand it, but the truth of the matter is that it is exactly what we need to hear. God's word is the truth that you and I need to bedrock ourselves into. We don't need some philosophy or some reason about life. We need to ground ourselves in the scriptures in order to be able to withstand the struggles of this life. Most Christians in the world are not grounded in God's word and the faith that they have, man, it's, it's going to toss them to and fro. But when you're anchored to God's word, the truth of God's word, when the storms of life punch you in the mouth, and they will, you're anchored and you have a true north that you cannot lose sight of. Christ's word is the anchor that we are to hold to. It is. When we start to look at the trials and the troubles in our lives as blessings, this is what I think we need to be doing. Rather than looking at the trials of life as problems, we need to start looking at the trials in life as blessings from the Lord. Why did this happen this week? I don't know, but I'm looking at it through the lenses of, okay, God, you're doing something you know best. You know better than I do about what all this is needing, and you know what I need. God knows exactly what I need. God knows me better than I know me. God knows you better than you know you. And he knows exactly what you need, when you need it, and why you need it to mold you and to shape you into the image of his son. And when we start to look at our trials as maybe blessings from the Lord to mold us and to shape us, because listen, I'm not saying goodbye to my father. I didn't say goodbye to my mother. I said, you know what it is? I'll see you later. I'll see you later. It's not a goodbye. For those that are in Christ, it's never goodbye. It's just, I'll see you in a little bit. 
I will see my father again. I will see my mother again. I will see my grandparents again. Why? Because they trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if if the Lord tarries and I die, my kids will see me again because they've trusted Christ. Man, it shifts our perspectives when we start to look at life through the lenses of the scriptures and look the reason we have these happening to us a b is because there's sin but god's using these the methods to mold us and shape us romans chapter 5 listen to this listen not only that but we rejoice in our suffering knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, dearly beloved, this is so amazing. This is what's amazing about the Christian faith. We live in a fallen world. And so everyone, listen, every single one of us are going to walk through trials, whether we're in Christ or outside of Christ, you will walk through some type of suffering. But what we walk through produces something. What you and I walk through when it comes to suffering and trials and and tribulations, when we walk through those things, it produces endurance. And endurance, that endurance, it produces character. I'll never forget, man, when I was a kid, dad always, man, he just loved Saturday. My friends didn't ever want to come over to my house on Saturdays because dad, we lived on a farm. And Saturday meant we were digging holes probably or laying concrete or something like that. So none of my buddies wanted to come hang at Caleb's house on Friday night because they knew Saturday morning Ed was going to make them work. I mean, there was no such thing as child labor laws in my dad's head. We just, hey, listen, get a post hole digger and a shovel. And I'm telling you, in the Osage County, you dig about that, you dig about three and three to four inches deep, and you'd hit another seven inches of rock. And anybody ever been on the end of a rock bar before? <sighs> Ping! Just shake you real good. You ever just had just your arms just ah? Uh-huh. Dad giggled at that. He thought that was funny. He said this. Building character in you, son. This is what the text tells us that when we walk through suffering, know that this, that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And listen, that hope does not put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured out. Like poured is a beautiful illustration. Just lavished, just dumped on us, poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We live in a fallen world, and all of us are going to walk through suffering, but that suffering in a Christian's life will produce something that has everlasting effects. When we lean into and press into Jesus in the midst of suffering, it does something in us. It produces something in us. Suffering is what we walk through to make us look more like Jesus. You see, the world looks at suffering as a thing to avoid shun and fear suffering in a christian's life is meant to refine us produce character in us and that character produces hope and that hope does not will not put us to shame and it will not disappoint 
The hope is this, that Jesus is king. And because of that fact, we no longer have to walk in fear, but we can walk in abundant faith. Amen? I hope I get a couple amens on that one. So, listen, the bottom line, if your life falls apart, you get a phone call from the doctor, they give you a bad report, a relationship shatters, something happens that's just difficult, we can lean into and press in knowing that God is going to insert hope into the equation. I have hope that has been inserted into my equation this week. That hope does not disappoint. Rather, it builds up. It builds me up. It builds my spirit up. And if you look, if you see this, there starts to become this theme that runs through the scriptures. Listen, you're going to have suffering. You're going to have trials. You're going to have difficult seasons. But I am in the midst of those things, and I am more than enough. Oh, this is so good. Romans chapter 8, verse 16 and 17 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if we're children, then heirs and heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So listen, if you're suffering in the midst for Christ's sake now, there's going to be a season and a time when you're going to be glorified with him. You said, Caleb, it's been difficult. Yep. Talk to the apostles. Talk to the people in the Bible. Talk to the prophets in the Old Testament. It was difficult. But guess what? They are going to be glorified with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you're walking through suffering right now, you will be glorified with God Himself. How do I know that? Because the text tells us this. The Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if you're a child of God then you're an heir with God. And if you're an heir, you're a fellow heir with Christ, provided you suffer. Philippians chapter 1, verse 29 says, For it has been granted to you, to you that you, for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake. Look, listen, we live in a world that has fallen, and you will encounter suffering but the good news is that that suffering only lasts for a season we do not on this side of the grave those that are in christ suffering has a finite just a just a finite time doesn't have an infinite amount of time it has a finite amount of time in the life of a believer it really shouldn't shock us when suffering walks through the door. It might, I, didn't, I don't want to lessen this and say that it's not going to hurt. Because man, it hurts. There have been tears that I have shed. There have been attitudes that because of my grief, I have been wicked in my tone towards people in this week. And I've had to repent to people. I've had to ask them for forgiveness because I was short-sighted and I let grief get the best of me. So I don't want you to say, oh, Caleb, you're handling this awesome. I haven't handled it awesome the entire time. There have been moments where I've fallen apart. That's normal. There's nothing 
something abnormal about grief in the life of someone who loves someone and loses them. Nothing, Nothing abnormal about grief. Now, it's not an excuse to be a sinful moron. I've had, like I said, I had to ask for forgiveness. I've had to come, go to people. I've had to go to my sons and ask them to forgive me for saying things to them and, and acting out in ways that I shouldn't act it out because I was sad and I didn't know what to do. I had to ask for forgiveness. Praise God, they forgave me because they love the Lord Jesus Christ. But it shouldn't shock us when suffering enters in because we live in a fallen world. But we need to, bottom line here is that Jesus said that it's coming for us, but just hold on. Hold fast to the truth of who Jesus is. And I'll be honest, over the last several years, if I did not have this word to walk with, if I didn't have the scripture that I'm anchored in, if I didn't know who Christ was, if I didn't understand how and why I'm supposed to do what I'm supposed to do, if I didn't know what it was like to have Christ, if I didn't know, if I didn't have Christ in my life and I was walking through all the stuff that I've walked through, I can tell you this much, I'd get drunk and stay drunk. And if you notice, during massive problems like this, people that are outside of Christ, what do they go to for solace? And they run to alcohol. They run to drugs. They run to something to numb the pain because they don't know the truth of the matter is that those that are in Christ, we live forever. You can't kill someone who has the power over death. Remember when Jesus walked in to Jairus' daughter? She was... They're all weeping. They're all crying. Just, and Jesus walks in. Why are you crying? What's all the commotion? The text says, it says, why are you all making such a commotion? She's not dead. She's sleeping. And they mocked him and said, really? You don't even know what death is. But what's death to God? Their death has been overcome. The last thing to be conquered is death. And he's going to pull that sting of death out. Death has been conquered in Christ. Tim Keller says, While other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows, Christianity empowers its people to sit in the midst of of, of this world's sorrows, tasting the coming sorrows. Joy. So let me read that again. While other worldviews lead us to sit in the midst of life's joys, foreseeing the coming sorrows. So we sit in the joys and we love those, but we see the coming sorrows and we shun those. We're like, oh, I'm going to live for now. That's the reason the world says, live it up now. If it feels good, do it. That's what the world says. Christianity, it empowers its people to sit in the midst of the world's sorrows tasting the coming joy. Psalms 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Who is our coming joy? Jesus. You see, the issue I have with such a crazy, shallow 
theological system that most people in America live in is that we're not truly longing for Jesus. We want the stuff of Jesus, but we don't really want Jesus. And we are momentarily content with him and his stuff. But I think as a whole, the lasting satisfaction with him is interrupted by material things and this present world. It's, I find it funny. I, I was a little, like I told you, I got a little irritated this week. I had a guy come up to me and shake my hand and said, listen, I am so sorry for the loss of your dad. Hey, what's he going to do with this place? Like in the, just didn't even take a breath. And I was just like, calm, Caleb, calm. Don't. Don't. Don't do that. We get, like, it's one of those things that I just, I mean, I don't understand this. We love the stuff more than we love Jesus. We love this world more than we love Christ. But if you talk to a believer who is walking and suffering and see their response, it's as if they want to see Jesus more than anything else. That was the one, th- the, one of the last things my mom said is, I can't wait to see Jesus. I can't wait to see him. I'm ready to go. She cried out in the middle of the night. I was in the hospital with her one night. She cried out. She said, Jesus, please come take me. My dad said, I long to see Jesus and Janie in that order. <laughs> I want to see Christ first, and then I want to see Janie. The two that he gave his heart to, Christ and my mom. This is the hope that James tells us. This is the hope that we have. Those trials that you're walking in, that I'm walking in, they're refining our faith. It's shifting our gaze off of this world and moving it on to the Savior. We're moving from seeing the finite and we're seeing the infinite. We're moving from the, inf- from the finite to the infinite. We shift our gaze off of this present world and its systems and its stuff and we shift it up to a Savior that's everlasting, that never grows old, that never will fade away, that will never have any problems. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31 says this. Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and grow weary and young men will fall exhausted but they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength and they shall mount up like wings on wings of eagles and they shall run and not grow weary and they shall walk and not faint this is the hope of who Jesus is like listen have you not heard have you not known the everlasting God he doesn't, he doesn't give up. He doesn't step back. He doesn't, he, doesn't, he doesn't have any problems here. He's the creator of the ends of the earth. He, listen, this is the truth of the matter. That Jesus Christ does not faint or grow weary. So listen, he doesn't faint or grow weary when I do. He doesn't faint or grow weary when you do. When you struggle, you can press in to know that Christ will not grow weary of you. Really, you're back again, Caleb? 
I can't believe you're back again. No, 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 no. He welcomes his children to come in as a father. His understanding is unsearchable. And he, listen, when you are faint, he gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he will increase their strength. So those believers that are walking and suffering... He will give you the ability to have an an increase in strength. How do you do what you're doing, Caleb? It ain't me. It ain't Caleb Gordon. You know what it is? It's Christ in Caleb Gordon that gives me the strength to take the next step. The next step. The next step. I don't take the next step because I'm awesome or have some innate ability to do what I do. Nope. If it weren't for Christ, I'd be a mess. And I'm going to be honest. If it weren't for Christ, everyone in this room would be a mess. But because of Christ, those who wait on the... This is the crux of it. Wait on God's timing. Wait for God to do what God's going to do. But... Those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles and they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. The question I have for you this morning is this. Is is your hope in Christ? Is your hope in Christ? If it's not, man, it should be. If your hope is not in Christ, man, it should be. Because that's all that matters. Christ is all that matters. Amen? Let's stand together. You've been listening to a sermon from Pastor Caleb Gordon of First Baptist Church of Cedarville, Kansas. We pray this message encourages and blesses you this week. If you'd like to join us to worship in person, we meet every Sunday at 11 a.m. at 418 Monroe Street in Cedarville, Kansas. We would love to see you. Find out more about us online at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash Baptist. If these messages bless you in any way, please consider giving to help support the ministry of First Baptist Church. Our mailing address is First Baptist Church, Cedarville, Kansas, P.O. Box 456, Cedarville, Kansas 67024. God bless you.